one of the things you consistently run across when you Google about geo geocaching a lot like I do, weird things seen while geocaching. So there are weird things in geocaches, and I believe I've gone over a couple of those, and weird places you find geocaches. Mount Everest, 7,000 feet under the ocean, uh, various places like that. And But there are also like a consistent conversation about weird things found while geocaching. So a very specific kind of dork is out looking for these small geocaches, and they find themselves finding something strange. And that's sort of the story. But this guy especially was interesting. He was in, must have been in England somewhere, and he said he was geocaching by the sea, and him and his dog were walking along. They looked over into the flowing water, and they saw something sort of submerged right at the surface. And they looked a little closer, and they saw that it was a mine, like a full-on John Wayne movie, World War II sphere with spikes coming out of it that, like, the Nazis had put there or something, like, 70 years before. And it was just bobbing along in the surf. And then it went right out of sight. So I thought that was interesting as far as, you know, strange things you could see. I mean, you do see strange things even when you geocache in Scripture, and that's what we're doing. We're geocaching Scripture, looking for these little treasures of uh, language, cultural situation, uh, context, and other things that help us to see the dimension, the beauty, and, and sometimes just make the the strange familiar and the familiar strange with things that we see that we hadn't seen before, especially if you're like me and you were basically born in church um, and it's been around you all the time. Uh, this is one of those ways that you can look back at God's Word, look a little further into it. And that's what I hope to do, and I hope I don't see any minds. One. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with a woman still standing there. And Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, Now go and leave your life of sin. Okay, and this may be a familiar passage to you. Actually, to most of you, probably is. Um, this, most of us would call a Jesus and the woman taken in adultery. The um, $1,000 Latin term is the pericope adulterae, which is a very exciting thing that you could say to impress people sometime if you want to. This is... Um, it, despite its popularity, this is a, an extremely controversial passage. People don't know if it actually belongs here because 
a lot of the early manuscripts um, don't include this where it is. There are some that do, but a lot of the, the most solid evidence either has it um, not there at all, or they place it somewhere else. I believe it's actually placed in Luke. Um, it's a really interesting discussion around this particular idea. You get into the wording itself, and the wording doesn't seem like John. It doesn't seem like it's written by John. Uh, John uses a lot of uh, very predictable idioms, and you can usually find out, you can usually see his writing from a mile away, and this doesn't look like it to scholars that are a lot smarter than me and know this kind of stuff and say things like, I'll pericope adultere. There we go. Um, but this particular passage, it's not known exactly where it fits. Um, although there is quite a few scholars that, that say, yes, this is a historical part of the Jesus story, but we don't know where to put it. We're not exactly sure who wrote it, where it fits in the contest exactly. And so that makes it kind of interesting. Um, to me, you know, as, as, as sort of armchair, as a scholar as I am, um, this story seems very much like Jesus, very much like something he would do, very much like a conflict that he would get into with the authorities of the time. Um, doesn't seem out of place at all in that sense. Um, so actually where where it belongs, I'm, I'm really not quite sure. Um, that it belongs, I do think so. I do think this is an actual interaction. So looking, bearing down in on it... Um, there's a, a couple of things that stand out. I mean, the first question I think in my mind and maybe your mind as well is, where is the dude? Where's the guy that was accused of adultery? Where is he? Where is where is his stoning? Which is interesting. It kind of fits in with a lot of the societal problems that were going on at the time. He's not being dragged out in front of anyone. And she's being dragged out and made to stand in front of the group. So highly embarrassing um, highly public. Um, the In the Old Testament, it does say that a woman who is betrothed and found in adultery should be stoned to death. Um, so this woman probably was promised to marriage to someone, and then uh, she was taken out and put here in front of Jesus. And Jesus does this classic move, which uh, there are, are entire careers and libraries of books written on what Jesus was doodling. Um, what was he doing writing in the sand? And it's fascinating. I mean, you, 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 I've heard some explanations that, you know, oh yeah, he was writing down the names of all the guys who had also slept with this girl. And I'm like, well, that's pretty draconian. And that kind of brings in like our own understanding of sexuality and relationships, you know, um, you know, that she, that she sort of got around the village, which I think is kind of an awful thing to think and kind of, kind of severe. Um, other explanations, one I particularly like, is Jesus was doodling in the sand because he was in the presence of his father. He had nothing to fear, and that's what a child does when they're in the presence of their father with nothing to fear. They doodle. They pass time. They're free. I watch my kids. When they're around me or my wife and they know they're safe, that's when they're free. That's when their needs are taken care of. That's when they're in no danger, and they're fully free to sit and doodle, or make funny noises, or sing, or dance, or all these other things they love to do. Which is interesting, and it's interesting here that Jesus would do that in the middle of this highly tense, highly uh, broken, fragmented um, 
angry kind of situation. So that's interesting. I think, you know, there was a sense in which Jesus was making them wait. Um, you know, in the old days, when you really wanted to make someone wait, you were if like 75% of the population, you were smoking. So you would just blow out your plume of smoke and you would say, well, I don't know. And then you'd take another drag. It seems almost like that to me, you know, where Jesus is really making them wait for an answer. Um, I think if you look deeper to the real, like I think way down deep into this geocache to me, the thing that's most powerful here. The community was trying to keep the law in a way that destroyed other people. That instead of giving life would have destroyed this, this woman caught in adultery. And it was a way for, for them to keep pure by these works. Even though their lives might be in shambles, they were able to come down and judge someone else and say, we're going to keep things pure. Where Jesus said, the point of the law is restoration and healing and life. The point of these things, the point of these things that the psalmist talks about, the beauty of God's words, how they're like honey, and how they they change his life and bring him in the path of life and righteousness, bring them beside cool waters for his name's sake. This praise of God's law. And Jesus says the point of this law is restoration, healing. And in this moment, we look back on the law, look back on the only time in the Bible where it talks about God writing on something with his finger, the Ten Commandments. And Jesus kneels down and writes on stone with his finger. This is the point of the law, and I have the authority to tell you that. Because I wrote it then, and I'll show you that again now. I think it's incredibly powerful, this doodling that Jesus is doing here. Saying, this is the law. I know how it works. I wrote it. And letting them sit in silence and watch as he does that again. And very... Very carefully, the detail here is included that Jesus leaned down in front of her. And if one of those men had thrown a stone, who would they have hit? Jesus himself. Watch the choreography there. He leans down in front of her and writes on the stone. To show this is the law, protection of the weak, healing, and restoration. And then it all ends with Jesus still standing there with the sinning woman. Not standing there with authorities or anybody else he's trying to impress, but standing there with this outcast woman. And he doesn't say to her, I think you're the greatest, go do your thing. He says, change. He says change, and I think we forget that. That Jesus utterly accepting, utterly reaching out in order 
to reach to somebody. And when he does get there, he says, I love you just as you are, but I love you too much to leave you that way. Go and leave your life of sin. Go and walk into true life. And my hope is that she did. And my hope is that I will meet her someday. And that we can talk about this and we can talk about who wrote it. And maybe find out. But this story that, that fits nowhere is kind of like the person in the story. This woman who fit nowhere. And Jesus stands next to her, leans down in front of her, has her with his arm around her and says, you fit with me. You fit with me. You are home with me. Pax Humana. Cheers. Cheers.